listeners, and welcome to the Liberty Mike podcast, broadcasting from an undisclosed location in the heart of Dixie. I am Michael, and I am here with Liberty Larry for Take Two. How's it going? Doing all right. How are you today? <laughs> Pretty good. Good, good. Yeah. Um, we haven't actually seen the rain that seems like it's coming and has seemed like it's been coming all <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, so we had rain here or ain't in Roberts, though? No, I don't yeah. think it rained here. I don't know. Pretty sure it rained where, rained where I was at. Uh-huh. So. Welcome to the South, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a good fourth? Um, I didn't really do much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been... Yeah, I didn't really do much. <laughs> I did... Uh, however, I did go... Uh, so I, I was working Monday, um, and I went by the, the boss man's office. And um, before I left, I I wished him a you know, happy fourth. And uh, he said, yeah, you too. You have a happy fourth. And I, I hope you had a... Um, a happy uh, Independence Day. That was yesterday, you know. And I was like, <laughs> <Nice>. yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the Lee resolution. I'm familiar with the story. I tell it every year on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to tell it this year. Yeah. Oh, that's cool that somebody else recognized the Lee resolution day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that he knew that necessarily, but yeah, yeah at least that the July 2nd was the actual actual day, the actual declaration, yeah. um, legal declaration. Right. But the legal declaration is boring, and the the declaration declaration of independence is is a much nicer document. One of my uh, favorites. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's a fun thing to celebrate. I love the Fourth of July. Like, yeah, I mean it's just rebellion, like the whole nine yards. Like I just I don't know. Some <laughs> I, you know. I mean you know we we celebrating talk, rebellion against an oppressive government. Love it, man. Like uh, <laughs> even though we absolutely live under an oppressive government now, mm-hmm. the the idea that at one point we really stood up and gave them what for, <laughs> yeah. you know, really yeah. really means something. I don't know. That's true. That's true. You know, and you know, because we, you know, we give our government a hard time on this podcast pretty, mm. pretty religiously. Yeah. But, and I hope people that listen to this podcast understand, like, and I, I'm assuming I can speak for you on this too. Like, I love this country. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not when, when we're given this country a hard time, it's the government we're given the hard time to. Mm-hmm. It's not the country itself. It's not the people. It's not. It's not anything like that. Like this country is amazing, best place on earth. I promise. Like, yeah, the the origins of the United States are um, are unique in history, yeah. and uh, it you know unfortunately we yeah the the government has strayed far from its in, intended yeah function. Um, Tea has been thrown in the harbor for less. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Had revolutions for less. Read those reasons yeah. at the end oh, of the declaration. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think that this is a, a wonderful place. Um, and yeah. there's still a lot of opportunity here, and you still can make yourself into what you want. Yeah. And I, I know that there's a lot of talk about, uh, well, that we have a caste system here, but that's not really true. Like, if you dig into the numbers, the yeah. the the turnover from um, upper class to middle class to lower class to upper class to, you know, like the people that are moving between these supposed barriers, there's a lot of them. It's something like um, in any, like in the top 20%, 80% of those people are replaced every couple of years or something like that. So people are moving into the top 20%. People are moving from the top 20% into the next yeah, lower tier. Yeah, what, or what would be the quintile? Is that what it would be called? <laughs> Not I guess. A clue. Yeah. Um, but there, there's constant movement from one quintile. We're going to use that word. <laughs> I'm, right. pre- I'm pretty sure that, that yeah. it fits. Anyway, um, there's constant movement from one quintile to another. People, there is upward mobility. Yeah. Uh, here, you're not stuck where you are. Absolutely. Um, and uh, and. You know, hard if, work is still rewarded. and yeah. Well, and if you, you don't know. like what's going on in your part of the country, you're welcome to move to the other part. Yeah. Like, there's to some, the better there's, part. Yeah, there's something to be said <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, whichever one you view as the better. Like, mm-hmm. I know which one I like, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you're not alone because... Um, California lost a representative because of the number of because people of the, that left California during the COVID stuff. Yeah. Uh, so... so um, yeah, I, I think that this is a, this is really a wonderful place. And, um, I, I also get accused frequently of blaming America first. And it's not that I blame America for, I don't think that America is worse than other countries. Yeah. Um, however, 
I feel like I can have an impact on the policies of... Of this country. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a lot worse things to say about China and Russia and, you know, India and plenty of other places. Yeah. But their policies don't <laughs> affect me in the same <laughs> way. You don't live in those countries. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I don't have influence there. I, I don't have much influence here either, yeah. to be fair. But... Um, but enough. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it, at least you're at least you're griping to the right folks. You yeah, know? like <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I I agree. Uh, this is a wonderful country, and um, criticism is heaped on the government because they deserve it. Yeah, and uh, and I I think that we are fair and say when they're doing things right too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean. It's rare. Yeah, it, it doesn't come up a lot. <laughs> but but on the rare occasion when it does, yeah. you know. I mean, I think there's going to be some of that tonight. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, I, I have, yeah. So, my um, there's my left arm hurts. I was going to say, I saw you pulling your arm out there. What, what are we doing here? Yeah, my, my forearm, and particularly my left hand, have been bothering me for a couple of days. And it's... Like it's so tight. I I need a uh, a hand massage. Hand massage. <laughs> I think that would help me a lot. Um, of course, like I've also been bleeding out of my left ear. I, I don't know if any brain has leaked out or not. Um, <laughs> I've been feeling kind of uninspired this week. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I hope we can do justice to yeah to the justice that's been done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> So Show this title. is a yes. <laughs> I don't think I got to actually have an idea this time. So, oh, yeah. um, but now seems like the time to talk about the Supreme Court opinions that have come out. Yeah. Um, over the last week or so. Yeah. And there's three um, that have been highly controversial, and they've all been six to three with the the six justices named by Republicans on one side, and the three justices. Uh, appointed by Democrats on the other side. Yeah. Um, but I think all of the decisions were the right ones. Yeah. Uh, legally speaking. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, I don't think that's what you're hearing in mainstream media that I don't really listen to mainstream media, so I don't, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. It's not as all rose colored as you just made it out to be in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, well, because these are, you know, I mean, these are decisions that the Trump um, justices have kind of swayed the other way. Yeah. So, I mean, some of it's just the effort to vilify Trump, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do think that there's some uh, political machinations in some of this that is pretty weird. And we may as well start there. So uh, with the public's, um, well, with the student loan forgiveness issue. Yeah. With yeah. the plan, as it kept saying in the opinions. <laughs> By the yeah. way, I know that I used to have a good uh, source for um, legal analysis of these kind of things. And I couldn't find it. Really? I don't remember what it was, and I couldn't find a good one. And so I just, I actually read all these, not all of these opinions. I, I read the the majority opinion, um, the, uh, the... And the dissenting well, I skimmed the dissentings and I read the um, rebuttals from both sides. Oh, okay, yeah. Because they they close mostly with a rebuttal of the of the other, other side's side. opinion, um, which was. Time <laughs> I imagine I imagine that's pretty tedious work right there. It was kind of. It's not so bad. They th most of them write reasonably well. Um, so it wasn't so bad. There's a lot of like, I'm skipping over when there's, when they start citing section, blah, 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 of the code, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, I don't care. I'm <laughs> yeah. I just, just, just give me the, just give me the words that matter. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, it's not like I'm looking up this. Trying, trying to read as few words as possible. Yeah, here. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to look up this legislation and see exactly what it says in paragraph, what it, you know? Yeah. Um, but so uh, actually the, there was a um, a newer listener that was asking uh, for us to talk about the uh, public service loan forgiveness thing and student loans. And had we talked about student loans? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, we have. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, and as far as I can tell, the public service loan forgiveness 
plan hasn't been affected by this. Really? It, it looks like to me. I mean, I can't see yeah. where it's affected. The, the, um, the plan that was affected by this decision was the um, education secretary's um, forgiveness of $10,000 for potentially everybody. Essentially it was like everybody that was earning less than 125,000 or a a household earnings of less than a quarter million uh, could potentially get $10,000 knocked off of their debt. Yeah. Um, and if they had had a Pell Grant as well, they could get another ten thousand. So that's yeah. the that's what's been affected by this. That they've yeah. they've stopped that. And um, the they were trying to claim this authority. The the education secretary was trying to claim this authority under the Heroes Act, uh, which allows them to waive or modify provisions of student loans for emergencies yeah. in, in cases of national emergencies or local emergencies that are declared by the governments and so forth. Yeah. Um, now to me, there's a problem with that already because they were doing this at the end of an emergency, not, yeah. I, I mean, I mean the, <laughs> right. the, you know, the authority to, uh, put student, student loans on hold and, and pause interest, um, accumulation. Yeah. I mean, that was a COVID Perfectly thing. legal under the HEROES Act for the COVID national emergency. Yeah. Such as it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that the emergency's over, to say, well, if well, you're we're just gonna less, like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna wipe. And it, there were a whole, there was a huge number of people where it would just completely wipe out their their student what? debt. Yeah. Um. The the issue that the court was taking, uh, in the majority opinion, is essentially that the ability to waive or modify provisions does not give them the authority to rewrite the code yeah (laughs) um that this was a sweeping change uh where they were not just waiving or modifying provisions they were waiving modifying provisions and then rewriting new provisions they were they were building it more or less from the ground up like a whole new policy from the ground up yeah um and that the uh the secretary of education doesn't have the authority to do that under the the authorities granted to them by Congress. Yeah. Something with that big a change needs to be done by Congress. That was essentially the argument that was, yeah. Um, that, and, and of course the, the executive doesn't have the executive branch, which the department of education falls under, doesn't have the power to, um, to forgive debt in that way. Yeah. Um, and, and even Nancy Pelosi said that years ago before, uh, Biden took office that he wouldn't have the power to do that. Yeah, yeah, because that would be something that the House would have to do. Yes, right? at least on some level. Because yeah. I mean, because the they control the purse. Because they control exactly. And and the the amount of money represented here is kind of staggering. I yeah. mean, except that we see how much money this government spends, so <laughs> yeah. it, it becomes right. less staggering when you look at it in the whole. Yeah, yeah. but um, they were talking about uh, something like. 430, well, actually, once they calculated interest in and so forth, it was close to half a trillion, $500 billion worth of debt wiped out. Um, And some of these things that were really surprising to me, it it affected uh, 43 million Americans. Yeah. So 43 million Americans have these debts that could have been um, forgiven, or at least partially forgiven by uh, by the government here. Now... There's well, only 330 million people in the country, and um, roughly 70 million of them are under 18. Yeah. So they don't ha- they can't possibly have loans yet. Yeah. Uh, which which means that of the remaining people, like almost a quarter of the country is indebted to the U.S. government for student loans. Well, that doesn't surprise me. What what boggles my mind is how that that could not be perceived as vote buying. Like that's, that's the way that's the angle I take. I mean, like yeah. Joe Biden's just trying to take, you know, buy that many votes. Well, and there is an argument to be made that this was actually a pretty uh, clever political play um, in that yeah. regard, because even the, the Democrat speaker of the house at the time, said that the executive didn't have the power to do that, that that would have to be done through Congress. Yeah. But when Biden first got into office, he had Congress. Yeah. He didn't do it then. He didn't, yeah, he didn't do it then. He tried to do it by himself. He tried to make these proclamations by himself. And so there's 
an argument to be made if you can attribute this much forethought to the executive branch yeah. and whether or not you can to Biden, there are some pretty politically savvy people around him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's been in politics since the seventies. Yeah. Like he's regardless of how he looks and acts now, he knows a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, he does. And he's got people around him that do, he's yeah. got advisors, he's got, and there's, you know, um, permanent bureaucracy people that are, they're, oh, yeah. of course, pushing things as well. Yeah. And so there's an argument to be made that um, he could have done it the right way when he first got into office, and he chose not to. Yeah. Looking forward to this opportunity now where it gets struck down, and you can blame the Republicans and Donald Trump's Supreme Court and say that the you know the Republicans are blocking this. Yeah. Um, to So what you need to do is vote a bunch of Democrats so that we can get this done for you next time. Yeah. When they could have done it when last time. When they had time. every opportunity when they, yeah, at the beginning of his term. Yeah. Um, and so you could even make the argument that he has no intention and never had any intention of actually pulling this off. Well, and and I think there's something to that for sure. The mm -hmm. That, I mean, they knew this was going to be struck down when they pushed it through. But yeah. it was, to me, it was always a thing of, well, we can say we tried. Yeah. Like this, this we did it and they, they, you know, the Republicans took this away from you. Right. You know? Right. So. Um, now, the dissent had a question about standing in the case. Uh, I don't know. There were some kind of hoops jumped through about that, as far as I can tell. But I don't understand it well enough to to make an argument to one side or the other. What I can tell you is that, um, the dissent was making the case that the, uh, that a state, well, okay. They ended up doing it through Missouri who has a, um, government formed private loan servicing agency. Yeah. Now the government created it, but it's technically private, yeah. kind of like the federal reserve. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, loan servicing agency that they said would lose uh, revenue because of um, they wouldn't be able to service these loans and therefore get the fees for servicing these loans and yeah. and so forth. And so that's how they were able to claim a direct um, loss. You have to show some kind of damages to have standing. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't the this company, this semi-private company that brought the case. It was the state of Missouri and like six other states. Yeah. Um, so the, the scent was making the case that it wasn't the party that was actually damaged. That was, that was bringing that was it. And so there, the yeah, yeah. So then they didn't have standing. And the, um, the majority opinion was that since it was a government formed organization, that the government itself was therefore harmed. And so the state could bring the case. Yeah. Sounds like a very technicality argument yeah, <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, and so the dissent was saying that they kind of fudged the rules about standing so that they could take the case because they wanted to address the policy. Yeah. Right. Well, the policy needed to be addressed, so... Right. Well, I, I mean, I think so, too. Um, but... Uh, so I do think that it was the right decision in terms of the policy because the executive branch just doesn't have the power to they do overstepped. this. And, it's, and yeah. it's too huge an economic impact on the country yeah. for a single person appointed by the executive branch to be able to do this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I mean, this opens the door for the next president to just walk out and start like doing the same thing with mortgages or something. Yeah. Well, like, they I tried mean, to do that too, remember? <laughs> yeah, no, they have. <laughs> um, the CDC tried to do that. So, yeah. um, but I, I, I think that there's some important points to, to talk about in terms of economics um, with regard to this. Because it is talking about half a trillion. And yeah. I, I will also well, I was say, say this forgiving this debt would be inflationary, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Okay. Like I was trying to figure it in my head. I was like, like that has to be inflationary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole concept of um, so the federal government essentially completely controls student loans, the student loan business program at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, I didn't write down how far back it was, but it was like 25 years ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, the federal government owned something like 40% of student loans. Yeah. Now they own 93%. Yeah. Um, Virtually all of it. Yeah. There are some, uh, there are some smaller programs that, that do student loans, but 
um, everything big is done through the federal government at this point. Yeah. Now, I, I I actually like really had to hunt for this, and I couldn't get specifics. Really, and I tried so hard to find out. Well, who's financing these things? Yeah, because the federal government doesn't make money. I mean, they don't they don't generate any kind of wealth. Yeah, so. Doesn't there have to be some kind of financial institution, some some kind of capital investment firm or something that's actually that backing is, these loans? That is kind of ran through, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that there would have to be some kind of bank that was actually doing the financing and it was just being hmm. guaranteed by the U.S. government. Apparently, that's not really true. There is some private financing of these loans, yeah. um, but the, uh, the federal government... Uh, and specifically the Department of Education somehow, yeah. um, actually owns a majority of the debt. Hmm. So this brings us around to the, uh, oh, by the way, and for the private financiers, best deal ever, Yeah. right? It is a no-risk loan. Oh, yeah. Because it is completely backed by the federal government. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> but that, that brings us around to money creation. Yeah. So the rest of it is done through money creation. Yeah. Like the um I know that's inflationary. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought it would be time like we could go through like very briefly how money's created in this country. This is yeah. this is another method of money creation. So the the yeah. federal government goes down to the treasury and says, "Hey, um we have made this many millions, billions, trillions of dollars in student loans and we need the money to cover that." Yeah. And so the treasury then creates uh treasury bonds. Yeah. In various denominations and so forth. And um, and then somebody has to buy them. Now, the Federal Reserve buys most of them. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of capital investment uh, um, agencies isn't the right word. But anyway, yeah. um, that also buy them. And, and most uh, investment groups will tell you, oh, these are the safest loans. You know, these are the safest investments you can make yeah. because they're completely backed by the federal government. Unless there's something you trust more than that <laughs> to well, invest in. I mean, but here's the point about it. Like yeah. it, it's a debt. You're buying yeah. debt from the federal government Yeah, and <clears throat> it is completely backed by the federal government. Yeah. But what that really means is that they promise to pay you every cent that they owe you yeah. plus interest. Yeah. Even if they have to steal everything that you have in the form of taxes in order to do it. <laughs> in order, exactly. <laughs> right. And they have no <clears throat> bones about doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, you know, all of this debt is, is backed by the American taxpayer. Yeah. Every single bit of it. Oh, absolutely. And forgiving it is, yes, incredibly inflationary because it's a bunch of money that's just lost. And, yeah. and this is what you have to understand. The only thing that the government produces is, is currency. Yeah. But currency is not money. Currency is not wealth. Yeah. It's a, it's a representation of wealth. But every time they create more currency, and, and wealth is really like the things, the productivity, the, the resources, et cetera, that are generated by the economy here, yeah. um, which the government produces none. Yeah. And, and this is a point that we have to make over and over again, I guess, is that the government doesn't have anything to give to anybody. Yeah. It can only give to people by taking from somebody yeah. else. Everything it has is stolen. Yes. Um, so in the end, this is stealing from everybody. Exactly. Including these borrowers. Including the people. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like they, they're getting a short-term gain for a long-term loss. Yeah. Um, and and it's in, yes, it's inflationary because what you do by creating a whole bunch more currency yeah. is that it, it doesn't change the amount of wealth that exists. Yeah. You're exactly. just you're just making more dollars for every unit of wealth, yeah. which means that that every dollar is worth less. Yeah. At some point, you're taking wheelbarrows full of cash to the to the grocery store to buy your groceries because yeah. that's it, it's worth less until it's worthless. Exactly. Exactly. Um. And and that's the problem with this whole thing, is uh, and and of course it also represents like why um having a uh a uh, trade deficit with China is yeah. good for us. Yeah. Because we're sending them the, this worthless paper, this currency that means nothing. Yeah. And they're giving us things that are actually <laughs> valuable. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> right? Now, it does represent another problem, which me, which is essentially that we aren't generating wealth in this country. Yeah, 
we're, we're not creating more stuff. Yeah. We're just creating more dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and that's not good for us. No. But it's Except not, it's not the, the trade deficit that the, that's the problem. It's the, yeah. you know, it's the monetary system that's the problem. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, I guess that's the, that's the whole of it right there is that this is just another instrument through which the federal government creates currency. Yeah. Um, with nothing really to back it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I felt like they made the right decision. It's just, Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of people just talking to people kind of around like I, like I do, you know, that, that were really irritated by the fact that, okay, so we're going to forgive these student loan debts and the people that made the good decision to go pay these things off early and do all that, they're just kind of in the wind. Yeah. And, and you're rewarding the bad behavior. Yeah. Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. really, that's, well, that's, and, and that's an actually that reminds me of another thing to point out about this. Because yeah. of these federally guaranteed student loans, tuition costs have risen dramatically. Oh, yeah. Making it that much more expensive to go to college and making it that much more ne- necessary to borrow money to do it. Well, and that's more of the unseen that people just don't realize. Like you wonder why college is so expensive. And, and it's and you'll talk to the old timers that are like, well, it used to not be that expensive when I went, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. it, it was, it, it all, and the story is always the same, you know, it was pricey, but you could work your way through and get it done. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case now. Yeah. Like at least it, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only give a couple of specific examples um, I, I know, uh, that when I was, um, working in the medical field 20, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. that the, the doctors that I talked to mostly had accumulated a student debt of around a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And, uh, a doctor that I know now yeah. has about a $300,000 student loan debt. Yeah. Um, I know that my, the tuition at the school that I went to was a little less than 20,000 at the time that I went there, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. And it's now like 45. Yeah. Yeah. Even accounting for inflation, that's a huge jump. No, it's, it's massive. By far surpassed inflation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the reason is, is because there's a bunch of free money out there because it's all guaranteed by the government. Yeah. And they're, and they're creating it out of nothing. They don't have to worry about losses. And so that's always the big difference between a government industry, a government run business and a private run business is the the private run business. People actually working within the market have to deal with profit and loss. Yeah. The government never has to deal with loss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They don't have to worry about loss. So, um, it, it distorts the market terribly. And, uh, of course, you know, the, the, um, these businesses and colleges and universities in particular, they're what they're trying to do is to acquire as many students as they can and get all that free money from the government. Yeah. Because it's just money to them. Yeah. And so they're building all kinds of things. They're not even necessarily building good academic programs. They're, they're building nicer cafeterias and, uh, yeah, things to draw the students in, in the first place. Um, so it's not even improving the education in this country. Yeah, no. I would argue. I, I oh. think that, yeah. Um, I also uh, looked up, it's, um, there's roughly 4,000 colleges and universities in the U.S. Really? And there's only like 12 that don't take federal money. Oh, wow. That's, that's. Wow, that's an interesting <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I get, uh, we've probably beaten that one down. I I yeah. recommend to people, like, first off, I would say if you uh, if you're looking at a um, a loan forgiveness, and you're in a business that can earn high incomes. Yeah. Like if you're in an industry that can earn high incomes and you're looking at the possibility of reducing your student debt by uh, doing the public service loan thing that this does seem to be still available. Yeah. I would urge you not to. Really? Um, yeah. If you're, if you're in a high income business, I think you're better off earning the high income in the private sector. And you're yeah. also providing more. You're, you're, <laughs> let's see in the public sector, 
you're generating less wealth for the for everybody for the for the country as a whole yeah yeah, yeah. um so you know put yourself into a productive job <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um but that you know that's a that's all i have to say about that i also right. think that actually as long as we're talking about the the public service loan forgiveness thing um it's another one of these trying to centrally plan the economy sort of thing like by um enticing people to go into particular industries instead of allowing the mar- you know market wages draw people into the industries where they're really needed yeah yeah oh absolutely uh, of course a lot of this is education where yeah you're already like it's already completely controlled by <laughs> the government so yeah. Um, but I, I think that we would be better off with a, a private loan system. Um, I think that f- there would be less loss as a, on the whole. Yeah. Um, that the uh, that a, a private financier is going to look more carefully and be more careful about their the risks. Um, not <laughs> providing loans for people that aren't going to produce aren't likely to produce because yeah. the, I mean, part of it is that the government, you know, the government just wants to make things available for everybody. Yeah. And like, I understand the impulse, Yeah. but not everybody is equally valuable. Yeah. I mean, that's just a hard <laughs> truth. Yeah. That, that anthropology degree. What's, yeah. How's that going to come back? How are you going to pay off $100,000 worth of debt with that, right? Luckily, I have other skills, but I didn't take any loans for college either. Well, no, uh, yeah. But I'm just saying in general, like, yeah. I mean, that's that's a good example of like, you know, what, yeah, I mean, what's, the, what's the return on this investment going to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, other than you're going to end up with a teaching job teaching it. Yeah. And there used to be a lot more opportunities out there anyway. There used to be a lot more grant money out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and that doesn't even have to be paid back. Yeah. You well, have to work to get it. Like yeah. you're going to have to write some essays and maybe do some interviews and so forth. You, yeah, you're but the big reason that all it, of that's gone is because the government's just guaranteeing you, you can have a loan and go do it. Right. You know, I mean, why should, why should you go do the work to go get a grant whenever the government's just going to write you a check? You got to pay it back some point, but, yeah. or maybe not like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and without the guarantees, um, it would drive the prices back down. Oh, absolutely. The tuition prices back down. Absolutely. So, um, we've got two more decisions to cover. I was going to say onward. (laughs) Yeah. I I wasn't sure if we would actually fill up the, our time with just these three things, but I think we're going to make it. I'm starting to feel like it. That's not going to be a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. So the next big one, I suppose is the, uh, affirmative action in Ah. college admissions. Yeah. Man, there was an uproar about this. No joke, man. Um, so the um, the majority opinion essentially, well, it did it on a couple of things, but um, is primarily that college admissions is a, a zero-sum game, yeah. which means that favoring one race necessarily diminishes another. Yeah. In this case, Asian students... They, through the statistics that were provided by the two colleges, UNC and Harvard, in this case, Harvard, I think specifically, um, said that if they, if they didn't institute the policies, the racial preference policies that they had, that there would be uh, 10% higher admissions of Asian students. Yeah. So one out of every 10 Asians is kicked out that, <laughs> yeah. that qualifies. That, that qualifies. Would otherwise that met, would that be, met the requirements. Yeah. yeah, that otherwise would be the pick yeah. is not chosen in order for them to maintain essentially racial quotas. Yeah. Um, now, uh, the, the colleges are making the argument that they need that diversity, that the diversity creates a better educational experience for everybody. Yeah. Um, but then that runs into another problem with court precedent. In that, all right. So the first thing is that um, they said originally with using race to determine, you know, some of these things that yeah. race could never be a negative, and yeah. so the, uh, you know, and the the colleges are saying, well, race isn't a negative, but then their own data, like that, there would be ten percent higher Asian admissions. 
So negative shows, if you're Asian. Yeah. So <laughs> makes it negative if you're Asian. So yeah. that you know that's problem number one. Um, another thing is that in precedent, it said that uh, essentially that you couldn't stereotype, that you couldn't uh, make the assumption that membership in a particular race hmm. would uh, result in having a particular opinion set. Yeah. All right. So, but they're again, explicitly doing that by saying, well, we have to maintain this racial diversity so that we can have a diversity of opinion on the right. campus there. The assumption there yeah. is that if you are black or, <laughs> well, I guess it's specifically black and Hispanic in this case, yeah. um, that you have a set of opinions that are different from the non-black, non-Hispanic people. Yeah. Um, and that assumption is opposed to court precedent on the use of race to, to determine things. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> essentially they said that like you can't assume that just because you're a member of a particular subclass that you will think alike. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that the, uh, well, the other thing was that, um, these policies were meant to be phased out, that yeah. they were supposed to be a, an immediate reaction after a long period of discrimination in order to try and even up the playing field and then be phased out. Yeah. And that there's no end in sight for it the way that they're using it. Well, no. Yeah. Um, and, and finally, I guess the last thing was that if you were going to be using race, that you had to have um, a, a an objective measurement of what it was that you were trying to achieve so that it was subject to judicial review and that the, the um, reasons that they're giving for trying to maintain these particular, um, I guess, racial quotas... Uh, is so nebulous that it's no way it could be subjected to judicial review to see if it's actually achieving the goals <laughs> that they're claiming that they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Now, another thing that I found interesting, though, when I was going through this, is that at both colleges are trying to, are, are achieving at least, and based on what they say about why they're doing it, are trying to achieve um, particular racial makeups of their, um, of their student body. Yeah. And in both cases, they had a slightly higher percentage of black students than Hispanic students. Yeah. Both roughly 10%, but it was like, I don't know, 12 or 12-ish percent for the blacks and 10% for the Hispanics. Yeah. But if you look at the 2020 census, blacks are roughly 13% of the population and Hispanics are roughly 20%. <laughs> so, so it so still we've feels got a like the Hispanics here. are getting screwed. Yeah, we, there's still a problem here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of course, the I guess the real point to make in all of this is that it it doesn't make sense, at least to me, that you're going to fix an error by erring in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. And that all of this is still discriminatory, even yeah. if it's for historically oppressed groups or whatever. It's still discriminatory. And yeah. that if the point is to make a colorblind society, this is not the path. Yeah, right. <laughs> and of course, there have been people like um, Thomas Sowell and, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the other um, really well-known uh, black economist, Walter Williams, yeah. um, have uh, both made cases that this is actually detrimental to black students. Yeah. Um, that if you lower the standards to admit more black students, then you have more black students fail. Yeah. Because they're once they get in there and they're actually taking these tests and, and competing with other people. They're not they're not in on the these level. classes. Yeah. They they just don't have the capability to keep up. Yeah. And so you're taking some like um fairly gifted in the case of Harvard, yeah, uh black students and putting them into a position where they're likely to fail, whereas if they went to a School with a little less. That was on the level that they're at. Yeah. Like in, um, if they ended up they where they should. Yeah. If they ended up where they should have ended up in the first place. Yeah. Where, where, and I mean academically where they should have mm. ended up. Well, Just and so that was I'm another thing that here. they were looking at the, um, so they split them into deciles, like the tenths. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, group, 10% groups. Um, and they were saying that you had, as an Asian, because of the way they adjusted things based on race, yeah. that if you ended up in the fourth decile out of four, 
And because everything below that wasn't even considered uh, academically. So if you were in the fourth decile as a black person, you were more likely to be admitted than if you were in the top decile as a, as a, as an Asian American. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so, but, but setting them up to fail isn't, isn't helpful either. Well, no, absolutely not. No, my biggest takeaway from this one is, you know, who's right and wrong because I'm always the put the shoe on the other foot guy. Mm -hmm. Like that's always my thing is try to try to empathize with people for where they're they're at and whatnot. And if, if the shoe was on the other foot here, Mm -hmm. if we were, you know, um, like, if they yeah. were judging in favor of whites, yes, yes, in this case, yeah, yeah, we the same people would be in an uproar about it, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. Um, yeah, well, Justice Roberts actually points that out in his opinion. Oh, really? Yeah, really? Um, he says the the people on the dissenting side, if this were going the other way, yeah. would be absolutely opposed to this policy. Yeah, but since it's um, it's for these groups. Instead of those groups, yeah, that they're um, that they're all for the policy. Yeah, well, I mean that tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Like as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I mean, and and it, to me, it's real black and white. Right's right, wrong's wrong. Like you mm-hmm. know, this just doesn't like regardless of who it's for or whatever excuses you want to make. Like yeah. it's just not you don't. Yeah, it's just not right. Well, it, it falls into this assumption that the results have to equal the inputs. Yeah. Like the, the starting position yeah. that it for some reason, if you don't have exactly equal representation as in the population, that there must be some kind of ism going on. Yeah. Um, which is just not true. Yeah. Like people make their own choices well, and, and some people are in better positions than others. And the idea that they're even um, introducing diversity in this way is kind of ridiculous, I think, anyway, because it's not the color of the people's skin that that introduces diversity. Yeah. Um, well, it's the experience of their life. Yeah, so they would be better off if they really wanted diversity. They should be looking for, um, you know, uh, uh, a split of urban and rural students, regardless of, of race and so forth. Absolutely. Um, that they should be looking for a, uh, a broad range of socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. Regardless of race and so forth. That's how you introduce diversity. Because yeah. I, I, I promise you, like, so one of my best friends in high school was um, a Cajun black his uh, brilliant guy, um, his parents were uh, an accountant and an attorney. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, I promise you, yeah. that guy had a whole lot more in common with me Yeah. as a, as a you know, middle-class <laughs> white guy yeah. than yeah. he had with the people that we lived next to in the ghetto of Mobile when we went to the boarding school. Yeah. <laughs> right. That were his color. Yeah. <laughs> They may look the same, but the life experiences are not the same. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just not. like. And so, you know, that's how you introduce diversity is a diversity of experience. And race doesn't define that in the same way that it may have once. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but there's a, a whole lot more difference in socioeconomic groups um, in uh, rural versus urban than there is in just, just within race. Yeah. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Um, besides the fact that, like, if you start talking about it biologically, race doesn't even exist in humans. Yeah. Like, yeah. the biological definition of race doesn't exist in humans. Yeah. We're all the same. Yeah. We're all the same. We're all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the same. Yeah. And and part of that is that you just can't find discrete traits. Like, yeah. you can't jar, draw lines anywhere and say, yeah, on this side is one race and this side is the other. Yeah. Like all the things that we use are, are uh, continuous traits, which means that they vary um, over a spectrum rather than being discrete. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. you guys can look that up on your own. This isn't supposed <laughs> to be a biology podcast. <laughs> but it is tonight. Just, 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 a little, just a little bits of trivia. Just, just a little taste, right? <laughs> just, just a little bits of trivia. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had more to say about that, but I don't. Yeah. I can't think of anything right now because my brains are leaking out of my left ear. Because <laughs> you're, you're losing it. Yeah. Um, and then, so are you ready to move on to the last yeah, one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, the last one is the uh, the one about the lady who built websites um, that wanted to expand her business into building wedding websites, but she lived in Colorado where they brought the cake case. 
yeah. years ago. You remember the cake oh, case? Oh, yeah, bake the cake. Um, and, Just bake uh, the cake. And so she um, wanted assurances, essentially, that she wouldn't be forced by the state government to uh, build wedding sites for um, weddings that she didn't agree with, essentially. Yeah. And... Um, and I think the court made the right ruling in this case is ruling. I, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> like I've fallen into that trap too. Yep. I think the court offered the right opinion on this as well. Yeah. Um, but for the wrong reasons. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. So the court, um, made the case that because this was an expressive, creative, um, personal, uh, um, service that she was providing to people yeah. that, uh, that she is permitted to turn away customers, um, that would force her to not express a- something that she didn't agree with. Okay. In this case is, you know, it's that she didn't want to do, <laughs> um, websites for gay weddings because she has a religious belief about it. Yeah. And, um, the state was saying that she's offering, she's, she sells services to the public and therefore she must offer those services to everybody and she can't discriminate based on these protected classes, yeah. which includes uh, sexual orientation. Yeah. So um, the court ruled that she had a First, first Amendment protection, yeah. that the court cited precedent that um, the First Amendment uh, protection for speech also applies to preventing the government from compelling speech that somebody doesn't believe in. Yeah. And that's where they made their case. Okay. All right. But I, that's not the reason. <laughs> yeah. It's not the reason at all. Like. Yeah. Um, they, uh, now they, they kept their opinion so narrow that something like this is going to come to court come again. It's going to come around again. Yeah. Um, and what the case that they should have made from my perspective yeah. is that, uh, as a business or as an individual, you have the right to associate freely and, and, Except or dissociate. I was going to say, accept or deny service for Mm -hmm. any reason. Like, I mean, as as a business owner, that's a right you should have. Mm -hmm. You should be able to um, cooperate or compete with whoever you please, and uh, contract services with whoever you please or not. Yeah, and the the real American answer to this um, is, of course. Well, if uh, if you won't provide services to these people, I'm going to start a business providing services to these people, and I'll take all that money. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Um, now they were also trying to pin it on uh, what's the um, I forget what it's called the interstate interstate commerce. N- n- oh no. Well, yes, but um, like some particular uh, court provision about it, which was, and I can't think of the name of it now. Oh, well, um, but essentially it's like about accommodations. Yeah. So the, the reason that it was done is to make sure that, um, that you didn't discriminate based on these factors on things where you were essentially a monopoly or there were no other options for the service. They didn't yeah. want like a, a black person traveling across the country to get into the South and then find out that no one would sell them gas. Yeah. Yeah. Or, exactly. um, rent them a hotel or let yeah. them eat yeah. <laughs> or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you either had like a, a, a local monopoly or there were just no other options, um, for the service. Yeah. And, but web design can like, I can get somebody (laughs) in India to design a website for me right now. Yeah. Like there is no monopoly on web design. And the truth is, is there was a time where maybe some of that was appropriate Mm -hmm. where like that, that could realistically happen. Like you could be that guy on the road and be just shunned upon and not be able to get any services. But I just, we don't live in that society anymore. No, we don't. And mostly it was protect from state governments. Yeah. Yeah. To protect from state and local government. Yeah. Um, restrictions on who could be served where. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. See, we're way past all yeah. of that. Like, so there's no reason for, yeah, it's just that, that argument just don't float no more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everybody wants their dollar. Yeah. Um, and if there are some people that'll turn away business for something so stupid as that, yeah. There's plenty of people that are willing to pick that business up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so this becomes a, one of those cases like you're, you're talking about. Um, and I remember this was the issue with the cake case and I suspect that it was the issue here as well. And it, it completely, 
um, goes against that particular provision saying, well, you know, you, you couldn't get the service any other way yeah. is that I know with the cake case, they called around until they found somebody who would say no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's, it's not the case here because she didn't actually have the business. Yeah. yeah she, she was, was just trying, trying to, to build it. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, the, it completely uh, flies in the face of the idea um, of, you know, restricting somebody or preventing somebody, prohibiting somebody from getting a service. If instead of calling around trying to find somebody who will, yeah, you're tra- calling around and trying to find somebody who won't. Exactly. You're looking for trouble. Yeah. Like, that's really it's what just to make a case, to. right. But yeah. um, so I, I think that the they, they did uh, make the right... Um, decision, but they based it on the wrong thing. Yeah. And it should have been more about free association rather than free speech. Yeah. Because essentially what they're saying is if, if it's not a creative, uh, individualistic endeavor, that you're still required you're to provide obligated. services yeah. to anybody who asks. Yeah. Now, the truth is, like, unless you're advertising uh, your uh, sexuality, like you go into a diner and sit down. Yeah. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, I find this weird anyway. And I, I do, you know, I do believe in protected classes um, in the sense that, you know, well. I, I was going to say, expand on that because I'm curious. Because I'm opposed to discrimination. Well, yeah. But I, I think that the protected classes is really p- protecting those classes against government action, not private well, yeah. action. Now, that I'd agree with, but I think we should all be protected against government. So, Well, yeah. I mean, that's... Well, <laughs> and this is the problem. And this is, you know, this is the thing where I, I get really frustrated when people talk about gay rights or women's rights or whatever. Yeah. Um, is that you're, you're separating people in that way. Everybody has the same set of rights. Yeah. There's no sense in talking has, about it as, as group rights. There has to be a level playing field. Like, we all have to be operating yeah. on the same level here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're already dividing people when you start talking about, you know, particular groups' rights. Everybody's yeah. rights are the same. Yeah. It's, it's all just human rights. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing with, like, hate crimes and that type of thing. I oh, have well, a problem. thought it's, crimes is a even worse kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I did want to... I'm sorry. I just, no, I just thought of this. Uh, I kind of want to go back to the yeah. the other thing, although I guess it kind of applies here, but no, it doesn't really. Um, when you're talking about expecting results to be equal, otherwise there's obviously some kind of discrimination going on. Yeah. Like, look at the nursing field. Yeah. Or, ooh, ooh even better probably is yeah. education. Yeah. Like, education, teachers are, are dominated by women. Yeah. Does yeah. that mean that the entire education system has been discriminating against men for all this time? <laughs> no, it just means men don't apply for those jobs. Yeah, or do that type of. Yeah, I mean, women are more interested in that kind of work. Yeah, it's um, just what it is. Ninety whatever percent of workplace deaths are men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> death is. Nobody's dis- complaining about that. <laughs> death right? is discriminating against the men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> just see him walking around job sites, just waiting. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just. I felt like I needed to throw an example out there of how that's. That's yeah. just like the premise is patently false. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to the business owners. I think it really should have just been about that. You are free to contract your services to whomever you please, whom or you not. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and if you don't want to provide services for somebody, I promise yeah. somebody will. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in the environment we're in now. The world's such a smaller place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's yeah, there's, there's enough services out there for everybody. Yeah. And thanks to the Fed and the Treasury Department, money's worth less and less anybody, anyway, so everybody wants more of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's an interesting way to look at it, but yeah. yeah. I mean, you're just hamstringing yourself if you discriminate. I mean, yeah. this woman, like, she can do as Which she is, pleases. She wants, to, she wants to stick with her principles, and I understand that. I, I, I was thinking today, actually, like, I think that we probably all compromise our principles at some point in our lives. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad about that. But, yeah. um, you know, the truth is that she's just leaving money on the table, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Somebody will pick it up. Oh, absolutely. Every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I got. And we're in yeah. close to an hour, so. Nice. Well. Um, 
I don't know. The, the Supreme Court's an interesting thing. Like it's it's definitely taken a swing since the you know the Trump appointees, but mm. but m- most of the cases coming out, I tend to agree with the opinions on. Well, I, I like all of these because in each case, uh, it took power away from government. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what we that's what we want. I mean, we didn't talk about the abortion case, but it's the same thing there. It, it took power away from the federal government and gave yeah. it back to the states. Yeah. Which, regardless of how you fall on abortion, mm-hmm. that's the right decision. Yeah. Decentralize as much as possible. So um, down to the individual if you can. <laughs> absolutely. Um. Uh, so. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the loan forgiveness, in fact, all of these things, I just don't feel like government should play any part in at all. Yeah, that, I, I don't think the government should play any part in student loans. I don't think the government should play any part. I mean, like if they were generating their own, if they were actually productive yeah. and they were generating wealth, yeah, I would feel differently about the government, um, you know, like loaning out money. Yeah. But since everything that they loan out, they had to take from somebody else first. <laughs> all right. Creates a bit of a moral problem in my head yeah um the affirmative action thing i just like if you want to end discrimination you don't do it by discriminating further yeah absolutely and i want to end discrimination i i think that it's foolish and ignorant and naive and well you know highly objectionable absolutely but like you gotta you know Anyway, um, to enforce discrimination in order to achieve a particular set of outcomes, I think is counterproductive. Yeah, it it doesn't help anybody. I think we bared it out. Um, And then, of course, the the final one, to allow the state to force somebody to provide services to to someone they don't want to. Essentially, what you're doing, if you do that to this woman, we'll use this particular example, um, is that you're conscripting her to provide services that you're enslaving her. Yeah. Like if she doesn't have any choice in who she provides services to, then she's no different than a slave. Yeah. Well, and it, I don't know, just in my mind, it goes back to why would you want to start your own business if you know that you're going to be forced to do things that you necessarily don't want to do? Yeah. Like I might as well just go get a corporate job and work for a corporation. If I'm going to do stuff all day, I don't want to do. Yeah. Like why, why bother? I mean, I've thought about things in my business. Like, yeah. I refuse to do this. Yeah. Oh, I've, Like, this goes against my ethics. I've done I'm that more in it. the past three years than I have <laughs> in my entire life. Like, yeah. I've been forced to. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want these fights. Like, yeah. you know. If you have to fire me, go ahead. But I'm not doing this. Yeah. I've said that multiple times the past few years. Like, yeah. and it, like, like I say, it's I, not fights I want to have. But, mm-hmm. like, there, there, are, there are things I'm willing to do and there are things I'll, I'm not, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, the, the underlying point though, of course, being that if you force somebody to do work that they don't want to do, yeah. what else do you call that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I suppose that more or less wraps it up. I, I do. I'm like, I'm happy with the direction that this is going in the sense that it is, um, it is dismantling power of government. Yeah. And uh, I think that if we want to um, live in a society where we get along again, that that's what has to happen. There has to be more of it. Yeah, yeah because a lot more of it. <laughs> the, I think the, the big problem, the big schism in this country right now is that everybody knows that the government has so much power that whichever side is in control has the power to oppress the other side. Yeah. And there was something that Thomas Massey said in an interview not long ago. Um, that I thought was a, a real important point for people to remember is that you never want to give government any power that you wouldn't give to your worst enemy. Yeah. Because there's a possibility that your worst enemy will have that power. Well, I'd say there's more <clears throat> than a possibility because, yeah. because think of it this way. I think go- he actually said the, it's likely. The, the government <laughs> is already your enemy. Yeah. So Well, not everybody sees it that way. I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But at yeah. the same time, they don't realize it, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, if we want to move past, if we want to be able to, to live harmoniously together, we have to give up on the idea that we can use the power of government to enforce our beliefs on everybody else. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. And that's kind of the heart of libertarianism there too. 
um, is is the, the zero aggression principle. We do not use the power of government or any other coercive power to enforce our beliefs on others. Absolutely. And we expect the same. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) By force. (laughs) (laughs) Well, defensive force. Defensive force is, is a different thing. Yeah. I said zero aggression. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We do not initiate force. Yeah. Fair enough. Force for defense only. Force for defense only. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's wrap it up there. Um, we uh, plan to be back here next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook. You can subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, and Podbean. Uh, like and share, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, spread it around. Um, all uh, you know, All interaction helps us. Um, we're seeing a lot more hits on YouTube recently Nice for some reason. Uh, may, I don't maybe know Maybe they've unshadow banned us. Wait, I, I think I said on the podcast before, I did get a note on a, a couple of episodes ago that said 177 episodes and you finally made it into the, um, to my feed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they said something. the, um, Oh, what's the, the, uh, algorithm, algorithm. finally made it into the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, all right, sweet. Well, we're, Gonna keep going, I guess. I don't know that I entirely understand what that means, but yeah. you know, great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are seeing more. Uh, we're getting more views there, so some something, some's changed. Something's I guess. changing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's it. So we'll be back next week when we finally get this right. And in the meantime, try to stay free. Life short, live free. Ciao. Later. Mm-hmm.